just like to begin by asking a few questions. Um, I remember when I was a kid, sometimes we'd have arguments over some of the dumbest things. I'm sure none of you, but I, I had a lot of really dumb arguments with my families. And sometimes we would even kind of take a poll and we have these arguments. And I want to ask you by a raising of your hands what you prefer. So sometimes we just ask questions like, what's better, dogs or cats? So I'm going to ask that question to you. And by raising your hands, we're going to figure out who's better today. Who think dogs are better? Okay, cats. All right, dogs wins out on that one. And then for uh, people like Father Matt and I, I drive a Ford. He drives a Chevy. Um, who in here thinks Ford is better? Dang it. This is not good for me. And Chevy? All right, we got that one going for us. And then sometimes in the morning you wake up and you have an argument, milk or orange juice. Um, so who would say milk is better? Okay, that's, I'm on the milk side. And orange juice? Dang, that's like 50-50. That's pretty close. And then sometimes it's just over a simple fruit that you want to eat in the morning and you debate. Um, bananas or apples. Who in here would say apples? All right, sweet. I'm the winner here. And bananas? All right, sweet. Good. We're doing well there. And then with the technology thing, people have this argument all the time on the internet. It's either iPhone or Android. iPhone or Android. So who here would say Androids are better than iPhones? Okay, we got an iPhone crowd. So iPhones? All right, I'm on that. That's what I'm using right now. Um, and then also, it gets a little bit more tricky when we start asking questions that seem to divide us and cut to the heart a little more. But I'm not going to ask you to raise hands for these ones because I don't want to embarrass anyone. But sometimes we go into those questions, you know, is, is, is it pri private school, homeschooling versus public school? And sometimes then it gets further when you're in school. It's who's better, girls or boys. or it, Then it goes into boys sports, sports or girls sports. And then when you're at home with the family, sometimes you have those questions, who is the favorite child, you know, and then you, and who is the favorite parent? And maybe you're thinking, where is he going with this? Okay, so it's Mother's Day. I'm throwing you a total bone here. Who's smarter, mom or dad? Raise your hand if you believe it's mom. It's Mother's Day. I'm throwing you a bone here, okay? So I'm going to make an argument that women are smarter than men. Don't kill me yet. When we look at creation, the last thing God created was woman, right? And if you can do better than God, then you can continue arguing. But when we just look at that simple fact that the last creature God created was woman, that was his, his perfection of creation. And when we go through all the different covenants in the Old Testament, we look at Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and David. Broken, fallen men who have done a lot of crazy things. They didn't get it right. Because they kept breaking the covenant. But it was a woman in Mary, and it was her yes that undid Eve's no, that bring us a Savior who would finally bring us the new covenant in his body and blood. So I'm just going to make that argument that women are smarter than men on Mother's Day. And today in our gospel today, we hear the words of Jesus, and he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. But for those of us who know Scripture and know Mary, her heart was troubled. Because maybe you're thinking, Jesus, remember that one time when your mom's heart had, was troubled? And she asked a lot of questions, kind of like in our gospel today. 
Because if, for those of us who know the story of the Annunciation, how our faith started, an angel came to Mary and said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Just like he was with everyone in the Old Testament when he made those covenants. When we say the Lord be with you, that's what we're saying. The Lord is with us. But Mary was, great, was greatly troubled at what the saying and what saying meant and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. Because the angel addressed her saying, not Mary, but actually hail, full of grace, rejoice, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And for a young Jewish woman at, of the first century, that last expression, the Lord is with you, would bring to mind all of those Old Testament heroes that I just went through. You can think, even think of Moses, for example, when he was called by God at the burning bush to convince Pharaoh to let the people go. The, last, the Lord told Moses, I will be with you. And when Joshua was called to lead the people into the hostile territory of the promised land, God said, I will be with you. And when Gideon was called by the angel to liberate the people from the, the Midianite oppressors, the angel said, the Lord will be with you. So when Mary hears the words, the Lord is with you, she is standing in the, in the tradition of Moses, Joshua, Gideon, David, and all the prophets who heard similar words from God. But here's the difference. It's to a woman. And these words indicate that Mary, uh, indicate to Mary that God is about to call her to some important mission according to his plan. And upon hearing these words, Mary most likely was thinking, uh-oh, what might God be asking me to do? But through her questioning and through her yes, her heart settled by trusting in God. And she didn't think about herself. She actually never went back to her old way of life. She went to go serve her cousin Elizabeth, and her yes to God changed the world. And maybe you're thinking, well, what if, like, Father Matt or Father Zach asked me to do something? Maybe your first gut reaction would be a lot like Mary's. Uh-oh, what might the fathers be asking me to do? And today I ask you just something very simple. Never go back to the old way of doing things. Ever. Because we hear a lot of people saying today, right now, I just wish things would go back to the way they used to be. Really? Do you honestly really want things to go back to when you see someone, you say hello to them. Hey, how are you? Fine, good. And it's just kind of going through the motions. We have these kind of sometimes these superficial relationships when we allow fine being okay. And what troubles my heart right now is that some people, I'm sure not from these parishes, of course, but some people want things to go back to the way they used to be. They tell me that. But I would argue that God might actually be allowing this pandemic as a wake-up call to all Christians so that we never go back to our old way of doing things because our evangelization efforts and our discipleship efforts since the Second Vatican Council in 1962 has been one of the most epic failures ever. The documents are actually amazing. If we, if we actually took time to read them and implement them, we'd be doing much better. But we just took chunks and different phrases, what we liked, so we could change the church, and the implementation has just been absolutely abysmal. So, without pointing fingers at other people, but pointing fingers back at yourself, ask yourself, do you really want to go back to the way things used to be? 
And I want to make an argument as to why we would never want things to go back the way they used to be. So ask yourself, do I really want to go back to only 22% of Catholics going to Mass regularly? 22%. Do I really want to go back to only 17% of confirmed Catholics affiliating with the Catholic Church by the age of 23? 17% after confirmation by the age of 23 consider themselves Catholic. Do I really want to go back to a church where only 3% of Catholics go to confession regularly? Do I really want to go to a church where 80% of people sitting in the pews are unable to speak about a personal relationship with Jesus? Do I really want to go back to that? Do I really want to go back to only 30% of Catholics believing in the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist? I mean, 70% don't. And that's a core belief for us. And do I really want to go back to almost 40% of Catholics considering leaving the church because of the abuse scandal? I don't. And do I really want to go back to a world and sometimes even in our Catholic churches, where 50 to 60% of marriages end in divorce. I don't. Maybe you're like me. You have to ask yourself, do I really want to go back to Mass every Sunday when sometimes people, not here, of course, but other places, sometimes we look like zombies. And we don't look like we're fully engaged. We don't have a clue of what we're receiving in the beauty of the liturgy and the Eucharist. You know, just not being engaged. Do I really want to go back to that? You know, my friends, we must respond with humility like Mary because we can't point fingers at anyone else except for ourselves. We've allowed this to happen. You know, she could have pointed fingers at so many people when her son was being crucified brutally, but she remained with her eyes focused on her son. And maybe you're thinking, I don't really care about the church. That's not where I'm at right now. And I hear you. That can be where we're at sometimes right now with the way things are going in the world. Maybe you ask yourself, do you really want things to go back the way they used to be with these statistics? Because right now in America, the average age of death is declining. That's not a good thing. And sociologists attribute to what they call deaths of despair. The three major causes of death in America right now are suicide cirrhosis of the liver, and the opioid crisis. So check out these statistics. Do you really want to go back to this? For suicide, the suicide rate in the United States has increased for the past 13 years. And it is up, to nearly, it is up nearly 30% since 1999. And among rural Amer- Americans, it's up 40%. And suicides more than doubled the number of homicides in 2016. And amongst children ages 10 to 14, this is one that I just don't want to ever go back to. Amongst children ages 10 to 14, suicide is the second leading cause of death. And between 2007 to 2017, for those who are age of 10 to 14, the the suicide rate has nearly tripled. So that's one cause. The next one is cirrhosis of the liver. That means people are drinking too much alcohol. 
The number of 25 to 34-year-olds who die annually from alcohol-related liver disease nearly tripled between, tw- between 1999 and 2016. And there has been an average annual increase of approximately 10% more each year. That's where we're heading. And the last one is the opioid crisis, and I think a lot of us are aware of this one. In America, we roughly consume 80% of the world's opioids, even though we only make up 5% of the world's population. Think about that. We consume roughly 80% of the world's opioids, even though we only make up 5% of the world's population. Our country is simply losing the will to live, especially among our youth. In the future of our country, things got to change. And there are many reasons, but I think it's ultimately spiritual because we're allowing our hearts to be troubled. And when God is being removed more and more, and the creature that is made in his image and likeness loses the sense of ultimate meaning and purpose. And right now, we have a choice, I would argue, to be more like Mary and never go back to the old way of doing things. And we are blessed to start fighting or to continue to fight and to actually start inviting others to get in the fight. Or we can bow down to the ways of the world and allow these numbers to get worse and worse and worse. And we can't point fingers at anybody else but ourselves. And just think about it. God could have chosen you and I to live at any other time in the world, yet here you are. And it's not a mistake that you're here. It's actually providence that you're here. And he's allowing you to live right now for some special purpose in the midst of this pandemic. And he's actually equipped each, each of us, you and I, with different gifts, both natural and supernatural, for this time. And you and I were born to actually be warriors for Christ. And we are actually are commissioned Every day to make disciples. That's our goal, to make disciples. That doesn't change. And that means you have to fight with a zeal for souls. And one other woman who I'd say is right for our time is St. Joan of Arc. She didn't make excuses. She said, I'm not afraid. God is with, with me. I am born for this. I'm not afraid. God is with me. I was born for this. And this is true for each and every one of us. We were born for this moment and these days. Is God nervous? No. Is he anxious? Nope. Fearful? Nope. He's ready. He's ready for you and I to get into the fight. To get into those trenches of those areas of our lives and the lives of others where we're sick and we just don't want to go into because we think it's dirty or it's not good. But that's what a Christian does. They go into the darkness and bring others back out into the light. And simply, we can't go back to the old way of doing things because statistically, they didn't work. So first, ask yourself these questions. I think these questions are so important just to reflect upon if we want to go forward. Just ask yourself and just be brutally honest with yourself. Look at yourself in the mirror, no one else. Do I honestly know the living person of Jesus Christ? 
Do I honestly know the living person of Jesus Christ? And for those of you who are Catholic, do I know him in the Eucharist? Have I encountered him face-to-face in the Eucharist? And secondly, have I given God my will? You know, we're doing this novena, the surrender to God's will novena. And this shouldn't sound new to us, really, because Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. So the second question is, have I given God my will by denying myself every day? And thirdly, do I talk to others about the living person of Jesus? Or when I go out to eat, do I, do I not make the sign of the cross and pray? Because I'm afraid it might make other people uncomfortable. Soldiers of Christ make people uncomfortable, and to be a disciple of Jesus is to not see some things differently. It's actually to see everything differently. To see reality as it truly is. And to end, we actually have an unprecedented opportunity right now to act courageously and boldly with unshakable confidence in the God who created us for this moment. This time could be actually the church's finest hour. And indeed, we were born for this, but will we let it pass through our fingertips? And will you respond? Will I respond? Because if we don't respond like Mary, I fear that these parishes are, are going to close faster than you can imagine. So I beg you, I honestly, I beg you to respond with the courage and faith of Mary. Because Mary, as the first and model disciple of the New Testament, did not allow herself to be controlled by fear. And Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. And said, Mary rose above those initial troubled emotions and remained truly open to whatever the Lord might be asking her. And this fundamental disposition prepared her to hear the Lord's call in her life and pave the way for her faithful response. Let it be done unto me according to your word. Mary actually gave God her yes. She gave God her will. And the world changed forever. And she didn't think about herself and went back to her old way. No, she went and served her cousin Elizabeth. And the question is, will you give God your yes every day? Will you give God your will every day and not go back to the old way of doing things? And Mary, her last words out of her life, out of, out of her mouth, in the Gospel of John, chapter 2, were these words. Do whatever he tells you. That means you and I have to sit and we have to listen and beg for his will so that we can start working to change these numbers in the positive direction. And just think about this, because those numbers can be daunting. Maybe think about one area to focus your life on. One area. Maybe you think, I would like to change people's idea of the Eucharist or for confirmation students, or for the suicide rates. And just focus on that. And think if you, through your prayer, through your dedication, if you started moving those numbers 1% in a positive direction, 
each year. That's a huge improvement. 1% is a huge improvement. And with Mary's help, who is our mother on this Mother's Day, she can help us let go of control and not live with troubled hearts and to have the grace to never, ever, ever go back to the old way of doing things. Amen.